0: The joy to be here and to meet many of you over the last couple of days. And then today to be here at Grace Baptist Church is a tremendous honor for myself. I regret my wife is not able to join me today. She uh, normally travels with me, and uh, the the Lord had other plans for this trip, but I've I've communicated with her even this morning Uh, what a delight it is to be here. And she is praying for us here as we meet. And uh, thank you so much for your love for other people, your testimony, your your name goes way beyond this uh, metropolitan area. I know in Portland, you have a very good name. Our staff, our senior pastor, and one of our other pastors have been here, I think for different conferences and meetings, and they speak so highly of your pastor. And uh, pastor, thank you for all that you do, and continue to do to make a difference in this world. It's more than a verse we hang on the wall of making a difference. It's something we need to do as a child of God. If we are saved, we have been given a calling, not necessarily with a title of pastor or missionary, but God's called every person who names the name of Christ to be the light, to be the salt in this world. And uh, I sure enjoyed the last couple of days. Thank you for opening your building to the youth conference. And uh, I sure enjoyed getting to meet many of your sons or daughters and uh, the other uh, workers that are serving God today uh, in other parts of this metropolitan area. And uh, it's a team effort. And thank you for allowing me today to be part of this great service. And I stepped out just momentarily and it was a blessing to see all that goes on behind the scenes. There's a lot of people that make it all work, but without God's presence, it's all in vain. We need his touch today. And so thank you for the music. Thank you for um, the special just before I preached. I, I love good music. I, I have no music ability, but I sure appreciate good music. And I uh, appreciate men and women who uh, got here long before the service ever began so that we can enjoy all that we do this morning. Someone had to clean the building. They had to vacuum. They had to make sure things were in order, print the bulletins, and and uh, make sure the, the room here was comfortable for us today. And I thank each of you. While we may not know who you are, I'm glad that God does, and I look forward to uh, one day worshiping Him and and praising Him for all eternity, and in heaven I'll be able to sing right along with you. But until then, I'm going to take uh, the pleasure to listen to each of you. Uh, We read, our brother read the passage in Galatians chapter 6, we'll be there momentarily. If you would like, you could turn over to Matthew 28 just for a moment, and then we will uh, go to Galatians 6 shortly thereafter. But in, in uh, Matthew 28, in uh, verse number 1, the setting here is Jesus had been crucified, and now three days later we know what is about to happen. Jesus had prophesied or he had told, he knew what was going to happen, and those before him, prophets, prophesied what was going to take place. But Jesus preached about that, but the disciples nor those around uh, Jesus at that time comprehended what he, he had been been saying to them all alone and even through the life of Jonah being swallowed and in the belly of the fish or the well three days and three nights and he said the son of man must also be. So we find ourselves here on that day three and literally I without taking it out of context this is the first Easter morning, Sunday morning service, Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Let's pick up our reading there in verse 1. It says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord uh, descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow, and for fear of him The keepers did shake and became as dead men. I'm not sure what you would do if an angel appeared to you, but I don't think I would be acting like I'm very brave at all at that moment. There was great fear. I can only imagine the fear and trembling that was going on. And it said that uh, that the the, the countess of him described it. And then verse 4, and for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Talking about playing possum. They were not as cool and brave as they thought they were. And when the truth came out, you cannot keep the truth down. When Jesus came out of that grave, out of that tomb, and they became as dead men. In verse 5, and it says, And the angel entered and said unto the women, to them, not to the keepers of of, of the tomb there, but he says to the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. While I've not met most of you in this room before today, I don't know who you came to Grace Baptist Church with today. I don't know who you came seeking for today. I don't know who you come to worship today. But I tell you today, our purpose and our reason for being here is Jesus Christ and him alone. And Without him, we are nothing. And the angel knew these women were scared to death, but he says, listen, I've got good news for you. He says, follow me. He says, he is not here in verse 6, for he is risen as he said. And then he says, come and see the place where the Lord lay. And then He says there in verse number 7, and if you underline or if you take uh, study notes, you might write down the second and third word of verse number 7. And it says, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you meet or shall you uh, see him. And he says, lo, I have told you. Verse number 8 again. And it says in verse 8, and they departed quickly. So we see that word reoccurring, they, they, he said to go quickly in verse eight, they obeyed, they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. And it says, and they did run to bring his disciples word. The idea of the word, the wording run there gives the same idea that they were going quickly. They were not moseying along. They were not taking their time. They were on a mission and they were delivering a message that had been given to them. So verse nine, and as they went to tell his disciples, Behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. I believe today with all of my heart, had they not departed quickly as they were instructed to do, they would have missed the most important meeting of their entire life. They would have missed, missed Jesus on that road. I don't know how many people, how many of us have missed those divine appointments that God sets up for us, but we miss those opportunities that God affords us to minister his his grace to others. I don't know how many of us, when we get to heaven, Jesus will say, I had this opportunity, I had that opportunity, but you didn't show up. I had an appointment, but you stood me up. I don't want to stand him up for any appointment that he has for me today. I believe today could be a divine appointment for each of us if we would listen to his voice today. And so in verse 9, as they went to tell his disciples, Jesus met them. And then Jesus said in verse 10 unto them, he says, be not afraid, Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. So the bottom line is they have been given their marching orders. They were told what they were to do. Why was this so important? Well, this had never happened before. They had a message. What was that message? Just as our missionary is training pastors in the Middle East and, and as our missionary is trying to expose others to the gospel, you and I have been instructed by our Savior to go and share the gospel with men and women, boys and girls all around our area. What is that message? It's the message of a resurrected Savior. It's the message of a redeeming Savior. They had heard about it. They had pr- heard prophesied about the coming Messiah. They had no idea he was in their presence. And they had a message that had never been heard before, but it was a message from a regenerated sinner. These ladies came and said, it's true, he's alive, he's alive. Aren't you glad Jesus is alive today? I'm glad he's, we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living. I know that he is. Do you know that he's living? Have you met Jesus? Is he your savior today? They needed to go quickly and I'll give these to you quickly and then we'll find ourselves in Galatians chapter six for most of our sermon today. But I I believe there's three chief reasons why they needed to go quickly. Number one, they needed to go quickly because there were many that were carrying a heavy burden. Do you know anyone carrying heavy burdens today? I think everywhere we look we can see it on the faces of women in the supermarket where we shop. We can see it on the faces of men in the workplace where we go. And everywhere you go up and down the streets of our city, we see it on the faces of men, women, teenagers. I saw them this week as I've walked back and forth from the hotel, and I've I've tried my best to talk with a few very broken English some of them had, but I've taken the Gospel literature that I had, and I tried to at least be a friend. I wonder how many of we've passed by this last week that they were carrying a heavy burden that they thought no one cared. John 5, we read the story where Jesus comes upon this man and he says, uh, would you be made whole? He says, Lord, I I have no man to carry me. I wonder today who needs somebody to get under a burden and help them carry that burden. I believe God gives us these divine appointments today. If we are a child of God, he's got a mission for us to go on and he wants us to go quickly. Go with me now if you would, Galatians chapter number 6, we'll look there. But we need to go quickly because many are carrying a heavy burden. We also need to go quickly because we've got many people today, perhaps in this room, who are not only carrying a heavy burden, we need to go quickly because many are fighting some hard battles. Do you know anyone fighting some battles today? Well, I may be talking with some men and women who are dealing with some things that you thought you would never deal with. Maybe you are broken hearted as a mom or a dad today. You've got to son or daughter that is breaking your heart and you're carrying this burden that's bigger than you can handle and it's a a battle that you're trying to get victory over and you just can't seem to get a break. We need to go quickly because don't you understand when people need help, they need it right then, not when it's convenient? God puts people in our life for a reason so that we can minister unto them. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11, he said, If ye then be an evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? I believe our Heavenly Father wants to bless his children. I believe he tells us in James chapter 4, if we'll humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, he shall lift us up. Have you ever had a burden so big that you just couldn't go on? Have you ever felt that I blew it and God can't use me anymore? God says in James, if you will humble yourself, then he'll come along as a father would and pick up a young child and hold them from harm. Hold them and comfort them and protect them from further injury. Our Heavenly Father will if we only humble ourselves today. We must go quickly because we've got some people carrying ahead burden. We must go quickly because we've got some people that are fighting some hard battles. We must go quickly also for a third reason, which I'll get to momentarily, and that is because many are hearing and believing a lie. I had you turn to Galatians 6, but could I have you, I'm sorry to have you do this, go back to Matthew 28 real quickly, then we will end up in Galatians 6. We must go quickly because they're hearing and believing a lie. And I'll bring this all together as quickly as I can in a few moments. But Matthew 28, and we'll pick up in verse 11 where we stopped reading uh, moments ago. But it says, after he had told them to go and bring that good news in Matthew 28, he told them to do this. And uh, he told them not to be afraid, but to go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. But in verse 11, there's a transition that takes place. Another thought is is put here, and look what it says as our attention is drawn to verse number 11. It says, now when they were going, who is it? Those ladies that Jesus had given some orders to, and they departed quickly. They went, and they obeyed his voice. But as they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto them, uh, unto the chief priest, all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders." And had taken counsel, they gave large money into the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. It sounds like modern-day politics right here, what we've just read. But the bottom line is there were some under-the-table dealings going on. They paid these guys off to to literally spread a lie. It was not true in any way, shape, or form. But to cover each other's backs, they began to circulate a lie that was going on. I believe with all my heart, Jesus said, go quickly. The angel said, go quickly. Why? Because Jesus knew there was a lie about to start circulating about the risen Savior. It had never happened before they were not prepared for this Satan thought he had won when Jesus was nailed to that cross three days earlier he thought it was over they did not expect him to come forth from the grave and they were not prepared for this so they started circulating a lie and I believe Jesus wanted us to go quickly because he knew that lie would be circulated you talk to many Jewish people today and many of them are still looking for the Messiah why because they believe this lie right here we just read about I wonder how many are here today that yet you have yet to trust Christ as your Savior because you've heard and you believed a lie. There's a lot of denominations that don't teach about Jesus Christ being Lord and Savior. What is it? It's a lie that's being circulated. They're good people. They're sincere people, but they have believed a lie. Have you ever been taught something or told something that was a lie, but you believed it? And when the truth finally came out, you were thinking, what was I thinking? How could I believe that? I want you to know Jesus today has the truth, and you cannot keep the truth down. Jesus is a lie, and and Jesus is the truth, and he wants us to preach the gospel about those and and, uh, uh, to go against those who are telling the lie. We've got to bring the truth, not the lie. We don't have to worry about people lying about us because the truth will always come out. I wonder today, have you believed a lie? Here's how you may have believed a lie. Satan might tell you that I'll set you free, he'll say, and, but then Satan will put you in a cage. Satan will say, I'll give you peace while he's starting war inside. Satan will say, I'll give you love, and then he substitutes lust. Satan will say, I'll give you a thrill, but then Satan thrills you to death. Satan says, I'll bring you joy, but then he takes away your smile. Satan says, I'll give you a high, and then he drops you without a parachute. He says, I'll give you life, and then he... He is the salesman of death. Satan says, I'll give you rest, but then he makes our bed a grave. Satan says, I'll make you feel good all over, but then he deadens all of our senses. He says, I'll give you light, but then he makes us blind where we cannot see. He says, I'll light your fire, and then he pours on the gasoline. We could go on and on and on, but Satan, don't you understand? He's a liar. Jesus told us that he was a liar and today that's still circulating today. We've got to go quickly. Why? Because people are carrying a heavy burden. We've got to go quickly because there's many today that are fighting a losing battle. It's a very hard battle and they're going down. I don't know if you know much about boxing, but I know Canada even has a boxing day, but the truth is in a boxing match, boy, it's it's brutal And, and Satan knows our weak spots and he is in, we're in a fight against him. Jesus told us, or Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, he told us that we fight not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. The bottom line is Satan wants us to fight him in our flesh. If we do it that way, we'll lose every time. But if we fight him with the blessed word of God and quote scripture and hold on to his promises, we will not fail if we have the sword of the spirit. But Satan's a liar, and we must be careful that we don't get duped by his lies. Lies in our life, and he wants to destroy that message from going out. So back now to Galatians chapter 6, and we'll look there. Our brother's already read it. I'll not read the entire passage again, but I want to focus our attention there in verse number 1. He says, brethren, he's talking to people who are, are saved, those who have accepted Christ. He says, if a man be overtaken in a fault, I think that speaks for itself. We know people that are have fallen into sin or things have happened in their life. If a man be overtaken in a fault, and then he uses those four words, ye which are spiritual, brethren, those who have named Christ, if you are a spiritual person, we like to think of ourselves as spiritual. We go to church. We read our Bible. We sing hymns. We memorize scripture. We do all the right things. We wear the right clothes. We have the right Smile, but are you a spiritual person? To answer that question, you need to go back to Galatians 5, where he names some of the fruits of the Spirit. I sometimes find myself miserably falling because I'm not walking in the Spirit as I ought to, but if you're a spiritual person, he says, here's what you will be doing there's a cause and effect. So look there in Galatians 6 and verse number uh, One, he says, uh, ye which are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. I think we've been around long enough to know that if we think we are high and mighty, we're going to be humbled very quickly. It's very important to remember Jesus told the people that had picked up stones to stone the lady to death in John chapter 8, he said that you that are without sin, what, let him cast the first stone. He said to us here in Galatians 6, he says, we must consider ourselves lest we also be tempted. Look in verse 2, he says, bear ye one another's burdens. We must go quickly, why? Because they're carrying a heavy burden. Bear ye one another's burdens. That word burden is a very unique word. In the Greek language, it's very unique. And it it literally is the word baros. And and it's the word that means literally in the Greek, it means going down under a load. It means the abundance and burdens. If we were to put a picture up here, it might be a large boulder in the middle of, of an area. And we need that boulder moved. And with all of our might, we're trying to push it, but we can't even get it to budge. We're doing all that we can. We're putting our weight against it. It's not moving. And that's what he's saying. Bear ye one another's burdens. Have you ever been under a load like that? Do you know anyone today carrying a load like that? He says, bear ye one another's burdens. We have a responsibility. It's a boulder. It's impossible for you to carry it alone. And you were never meant to carry it alone. So he says, brethren, you which are spiritual, bear these burdens. And then he says here in verse number number five, I'm going to skip down a little bit. But in verse five we see, and it looks like a conflict. He says in verse number five, he said, for every man shall bear his own burden. He just told us in verse two, to bear one another's burdens. And now verse 5, he says, every man bear their own burden. And for a long time, I scratched my head. I thought, why does it say that? What's the conflict? But you go back to the Greek and you realize it's a totally different word. The word here in our English language, it says a burden, but it goes further in depth in the Greek. It literally is the fortion or fortion. And literally that word means that it's a, it's a bill that has come due or an invoice. Have you ever received a bill in the mail? Maybe you received a credit card statement and it listed all these things that you purchased. And then you went to your wife and said, where did all this, I didn't know you bought that. I didn't know you bought that. Or maybe it's ladies, you're telling your husband, we got the bill. I didn't know you spent this kind of money. How are we going to pay for it? It's an invoice that has come due. And he says, let every man bear his own burden. The idea there is if we keep doing these things, we're never going to learn our lesson. For years, I was in charge of our benevolence fund in our ministry. We have a very large bus ministry, and people would call every month. At the end of the month, they needed help paying their rent. They needed help paying their lights. They needed help buying food. They needed help putting gas in their car. They needed help with their cell phone. And every month, we would help different people. But we soon found that there was a a consistent uh, group of people that were asking over and over again. And pretty soon, my brother, he says, you know what? We are not helping these people. We want to help them, but we are not really helping them. We are becoming an an enabler to their bad habits. He said, we've got to teach them how to steward their finances. We've got to teach them how to be personally responsible for their finances and not to blow it on the wrong type of living, on, on wrong priorities. You need to buy food rather than cigarettes. You need to buy food for your children rather than spend it on alcohol or gambling. And here he says, let every man bear his own burden. Why do you say that? Because some people will never learn something until they have to bear the burden Do you remember when your children were small? As a mom or a dad, you would say to your son or daughter, don't touch, just before they touched the hot stove. You yelled not because you hated them or you were mad at them, but you put emphasis and said, don't touch, because you did not want them to get hurt. And then when you yelled, don't touch, they jumped back. And you turned your head from them, began working again, and just in spite of that, that little toddler, that young boy, that young girl said, watch. And we don't even have to be looking, but as soon as they touch it, we hear, ah, and they start screaming. They now are going to have to bear their own burden. See, mom tried to warn them. Mom didn't want them to cry. Mom didn't want them to get hurt. And you did your best to warn them. But when someone's adamant on having their own way, they have to bear their own burden. I don't want anyone to leave here today bearing burdens that God never intended you to carry. But in verse number two, where he says we need to bear one another's burdens, that's a totally different one. One is not your fault. God's placed that burden on you. The other one is self-inflicted. It's an invoice, a bill that's come due. Now, if you would, let's read down a few more verses. He says in verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And he says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I'm convinced today there's men and women that are gathered here to worship in God's house today. You come with some burdens on your shoulders. And you're trying to figure out, Lord, why is this happening? And you've searched your heart. You don't know of any sin in your life. You don't know of anything that is not right. You've done your your due diligence, and you're not trying to say you're Miss Perfect or Mr. Perfect, but your heart is right toward God, yet the burden's there. I believe that's where the church of God, God's people, needs to come to the rescue of God's people. We have a responsibility. Bear you one another's burdens. I'm not talking about coming to the rescue of someone who has abused the blessings of God. I'm talking about someone, maybe they're saved, maybe they're not. But I believe we need to come to the rescue. Let's look in verse number 10. He says in verse number 10, he said, as we have therefore, opportunity, let us do good. That word good there, literally the Greek word uh, is different than the word, the burdens in verse 2 where he, he, he uses the word baros and in verse number 5, fortion, and now you go to verse number 10, he says, he says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. And it literally, it's the word agathos, the Greek word, and literally it means to be a benefit. Have you ever gotten a credit card because with that credit card, there came some benefits. Maybe when you purchased the airline ticket, that credit card gave you an extra amount of life insurance. Maybe it gave you some privileges that you would not otherwise have. And it says that, I know American Express used to say, because membership has its privileges. Here it means to be a benefit. God wants God's people to be a benefit to this world. In other words, we are to be a blessing, not a burden. We've got burdens here, and you can understand why you're going through it, but we've got people carrying some heavy burdens. And don't you understand, if your wife is on the side of the road, broken down with her car, men, and you can't be there, wouldn't you hope somebody would stop and be a gentleman and help them to safety? I would hope someone would do that. Years ago, I was preaching out of town back on the East Coast, and my daughter was in Portland, Oregon, and I get a call frantically. She's on her cell phone, said, Dad, I'm broken down on the interstate and it's rush hour, she says, what do I do? I can hear the traffic. I'm all the way across the country and I'm panicking that my daughter's there. I wish I could be there. I said, no problem. We have this thing for years called AAA. I don't know if you have it, but we had AAA. And I called AAA and I called him and the gentleman on the other end of the line, he said, sir, I regret to tell you, you've let your membership lapse. I was helpless. He said, sir, but I see here by your record that you've been a member for many years. Sir, if you would like to reinstate your membership, we will be glad to go to the rescue. I said, what does it take? I thought he was going to throw an exuberant price out there and charge me big. He said, sir, it's not a penalty, it's just your normal membership. I said, pay it right now. Let's do it. How quick can you get there? Before I even got off the phone with him paying this new uh, uh, privilege, he already had someone on the way to pick up my daughter. I was all the way across the country. And I know today there's men and women in here. Your burden, You can't get there for someone you love dearly. But aren't you glad our Heavenly Father, if we only ask, He'll answer? We need to bear one another's burdens. I believe we need to go quickly because... Some are carrying a heavy burden. We need to go quickly because they're fighting some hard battles. This is a bit humorous, and I'm trying to hurry here, but years ago, my oldest daughter that was broke down on the interstate, she was about two and a half years old. My wife was at a ladies' conference, and my wife had left me at home for the first time. Yours truly is babysitting. By the way, I've got four daughters, no sons. Pray for me, okay? Four daughters. So I just sat in the corner and say, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and just do what I'm told. But my little girl at that time, about two, two and a half years, maybe three years old, and she's there. I'm babysitting, and my wife is a great mom. I remember she used to take the diapers. Ladies, you may remember this. She would take the diapers when our daughter Erica would have her number in the diaper. And and she would take that diaper and she would empty it into the toilet, okay? And then she would take that diaper that was soiled and she had a container that she would put it in. I don't know if it was bleach and water, but she would put it in there and then she would run those diapers through the washing machine and then it would circulate all over again and we'd get fresh diapers. But I had watched my wife do that a number of times. So when Erica had her first major blowout in that diaper. I was ready for that moment, Pastor. I went into the bathroom, and I laid her down on the floor, and I took the diaper off, and she's laying there, and I go to start that, and I realize, wow, there's people in prison for doing less than what she did to that diaper. It was bad. And so I empty it out, and before I can turn around, my little girl, she's up off the floor and running around. I had not yet cleaned her up. I'm trying to get a diaper cleaned off, and I literally thought that diaper would empty. I'd seen it happen many times. What I did not realize, my wife was trying to be a good wife. She was trying to have mercy on Dad. She did not leave me with, with uh, cloth diapers. She left me with these things called Pampers. And when I put that pamper in that water and that toilet trying to wrench it out, it sucked all the water out. And all of a sudden, the more I shook, the worse it got. I'll let your imagination go from there. But I was fighting, losing battle, and the two-year-old was winning. I turned around and she had not been wiped up and I'm panicking. She's running toward our carpeted area in our house. And, oh, no. So I run and I'll let you use your imagination as I grab her by the wrist just before she gets onto that and I'm losing at this point and I did what any of you would have done. Don't look at me like that. I picked her up, men. I opened our front door to our house. I walked outside. I went to the front of the house. I turned on the water spigot and I hosed her down <laughs> with a water hose. I was not going to let her win that battle. She's scarred for life, but I won that battle. But don't you know there's a lot of people that they're fighting a a much more serious battle, and we've got to go quickly. I've since learned to appreciate those things called pampers. I rarely have to ever change the diaper, because I always found that outlet. Okay, mom's here, auntie's here, grandma's here, you take care of it. But I want you to know that day I did what I could, but I didn't do a very good job. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know I've dealt with people enough that carry burdens and fight these battles. You get tired. It gets wearisome, but he says in verse 10, as we have therefore opportunity, when's the last time you asked God for an opportunity? I believe if we ask him, they'll be everywhere. These pamphlets that Pastor gave you a while ago, and uh, he said, let's take these and let's invite folks. I wish I'd had these last night and today. I gave out what I had to a few folks, but maybe it just takes a smile and a friend to say, won't you come be my guest? Well, you know what? I joke often when I'm out soul winning and i often joke. I said, when you look like me, you need all the friends you can get. And usually I'll get a chuckle out of it and people feel sorry for me and they'll come be my guest. But why not take some of these and say, God, would you give me the opportunity? I believe if we look we'll find them everywhere. As we have therefore opportunity. Don't you enjoy the benefits? more than the burdens? There's some people that tend to be a benefit more than a burden. I tell you, if you're a burden to your employer, you're not gonna stay around long. The employer wants somebody that's a great benefit to them because they have you there to make money. Are we a burden or a benefit to our local church? If we have therefore opportunity, let us, who? Those who are saved, brethren, verse one, If you're spiritual, you're going to do some things. What? I'm going to go quickly to help bear some burdens. I'm going to go quickly because I know some people that are fighting some hard battles. I'm going to go quickly because there's a lot of people that are hearing and believing a lie. Here's the bottom line. How many times have we had someone knock on our door or confront us in public space and they are delivering a message? But they have their watchtower or they have something else that does not believe that Jesus is the Christ son of the living God. And they're promoting a religion, but there's no relationship. There's a lie that they're circulating. They're not bad people, they have just believed a lie. So you and I that have the truth need to go out and get there first and make a friend before the lie starts circulating. So Matthew 28 says, go quickly, why? Because he knew someone's coming behind and they're gonna get there first if you don't respond now. My daughter needed help right then. When somebody's carrying a burden, they need help right then. I'm going to close with this here. And I know, Pastor, I'm trying to finish up real quick. But, um, Devian, can you help me real quickly? I'm going to let Brother Devian represent our pastor today. But, Pastor, I know you and I understand a little bit about ministry. But ministry involves carrying some burdens, Pastor has not told me of a single burden that's holding him down and he's weary today. But I've listened to his heartbeat over the last couple of days. I've seen your your emphasis on missions. I've felt your heartbeat at Grace Baptist Church. I've watched many of you serving. Many of you have gotten under his burden. Don't you know that he can't do it all? Mrs. White can't do it all. But if you will be willing to get under a burden, like I have Deviant show us, we can help Pastor not only carry that, but it frees him up to do even more. So here's what I'm going to do. Could you help me with getting one of these chairs, a couple of these chairs, men, if you could? Deviant, I'm going to let you represent our pastor. And Deviant. I want you to hold. Is it Deviant? Am I saying that? Pastor Deviant? Excuse me. Sorry, sir. So here it is. Pastor Deviant, I want you to hold that out for me, okay? Straight out, okay? And we have our idiosyncrasies. We have our way of doing things, and I want it done this way. And if you don't do it my way, we get upset, okay? And so, Deviant, Pastor, I want you to up here, okay? And Devian, have you ever done something that got a little bit heavy. Now, Devian, that chair's not very heavy, is it? Good. I'm, I'm glad it's not. So here we go. And don't you know that, um, Deviant, with ministry comes a lot of things, whether it's a Sunday school class, whether it's preaching, whether it's teaching a children's ministry, doing the sound booth, bus ministry, worldwide missions, vacuuming floors. It's a lot of different pieces. Devian, you said the chair's not heavy. Is it still, it's okay? It's getting there. But it's okay though? Yeah. Okay, Devian, I'm glad to hear that, Devian, because I've had such a burden and I've got so much more I want to do. Pastor, how many children do you have? Three. Three. So hold on one second. Here's one. Okay. Or do you want this to represent all three? Uh, Okay, that's not going on there, good. So fortunately for you, we'll leave it like that. Devian, how are you doing? are you doing okay pastor I sure appreciate you man I sure enjoyed the service today pastor that was so awesome man I'll never forget that sermon pastor you're the man pastor I'll see you next week pastor have a good week that ever happened, pastor what's verse 10 read it with me and we'll be done as we who is we those who are brethren the saved Brethren, ye which are spiritual, restore such one in spirit of meekness, consider thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens." This burden is not anything that the person's done wrong. This is a burden that God's allowed to be placed on shoulders, but it's just too big to carry along. I believe that's why God gave us deacons. We're told that in Acts 6. But how many ladies, how many men are sitting here today that have an opportunity right in front of them, but yet you remain seated. What's it say? As we have therefore, what's the word? What, what's the word? As we have therefore? What is this? As we have therefore opportunity, let who? Us, who? The people of God. Let us, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially those. unto those of the household faith. We have a responsibility to help our pastor out, but we also have a responsibility to help those who are not of a household of faith. That's where soul winning comes in. We see a need, we lend a hand, and gives us opportunity to expose them to the gospel as we take the opportunity. But you understand that when opportunity happens, you have to seize it right then because it may not be there tomorrow. Vivian, what are some things that you dream of as a pastor that you would love to see happen in ministry that you would like to see happen? to see people saved? See people saved. I want you to know, Devian, and I'm not saying this to be comical. (laughs) Devian, you understand. Devian, you want to see people saved. Do you want to see people saved? Why is he the only one carrying the burden then? Why? Why? Devian, is it getting heavy? How long do you think he can handle this? Hello. long? Why, why wait? Why wait? Why wait, son? Wait a minute. I, wait, no, it has to stay there. Our, 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 but Pastor Devian, did you ask these guys for help? Why are you seated, sir? <laughs> Pastor Devian, it was getting pretty heavy. Yeah. Is it light now? Oh yeah. Now I want to show you something. You guys got it? Come here Pastor, now he can go do more. That's still important. Pastor never really takes his hands off. A dad never quits being a dad, a mom never quits being a mom. The burdens are real. You ladies know some ladies that are carrying some burdens and you can get under that and help her. We know people we work with, we have relatives. Why are we not bearing one another's burdens? We have an opportunity. Guys, thank you. You can be seated there. Thank you for your patience with me. He says in Matthew 28, we need to go quickly. Who is waiting on the other end of your obedience? Who is waiting on the other end of my obedience? Pastors challenge us today. Would you pick up some cards this week and say, Lord, if you give me an opportunity, I'm gonna take advantage of it. I wanna be a friend or help people with their burdens. Let's pray. Heads are bowed.